Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning if you're watching online. Good to have you online as well. Uh, it's good to see many of you. It's good, it's good to see all of you. I meant I shouldn't say that the different way. Uh, but it's been good to see. Uh, we've had a lot of new families over the last few weeks. Uh, and really, over maybe the last few months, we've had several new families starting to get connected. And before we dive into our Relationship Goal series, uh, I wanted to tell you about something that's happening next week right after church. Uh, we're doing a thing called Intro to City Walk, and we're going to do this once a month. Uh, instead of growth track, this is something new that we're going to do. And basically what it's going to be, it's going to be we're going to provide lunch for you, we're going to provide child care for you, uh, and you, we're going to take about an hour, hour and 15 minutes over lunch, and we're going to just talk to you a little bit more about the history of City Walk, talk to you about ways you can get connected, answer all your questions, uh, allow you to meet some of our staff and just get connected that way. And so I want to invite you, if you're new to City Walk and you haven't maybe gotten connected, you've never went to Growth Track, maybe you've been coming for a long time, but you just haven't gotten connected, Man, come, let us babysit your kids for an extra hour, which is great, uh, and, and let us buy you lunch and come hear a little bit more about what's going on and, and how you can get connected. Uh, and one thing you can do to help us is if you would sign up so we know how much food to buy, you can do that uh, online or you can do that in the app. And so uh, it's going to be a good time. I want to encourage you, if you haven't gotten connected yet, to go ahead and, and sign up and, and be a part of that next week. So uh, one of the Things And you, if you've been around here a little bit, you've heard me talk a little bit about uh, how I met Lori. Uh, my wife Lori and I, we met up in upstate New York in the mid-90s. And uh, I spent about six months, what you would call today, stalking. What Back then I was just trying to get her to notice me. Uh, but, but finally she noticed me and we began to date. And on July 4th, after about a year and a half of dating, uh, we got engaged. And so, man, we got engaged, and, and when we got engaged, we were at that point, uh, which scares me to death because this is how old my son is now, uh, we were like 19, 20 years old, we were, we're pretty young, uh, and so when we got engaged, we thought, man, we're we going to get married here in six, seven months, and, and we're not, we don't really have a clue how to do life as a married couple, and so let's, let's. I think we're supposed to get some marriage counseling. I think that's what you're supposed to do. So we, the local pastor, you know, he set up a little three or four sessions with us and talked to us about stuff about marriage. And, and our goal was to, man, just be a little bit better prepared for what life was going to be like when we got married. And for me, the thing that was the, like, the thing I thought about most was, man, for me, I was a little bit afraid of the financial part. And so at that point in our life, we were both working part-time jobs, probably making at that point, who knows, five, six, seven dollars an hour. I mean, we were just raking in the cash at our house. 
uh, and, and, you know, just making a little bit of money. We both had about a year and a half left of college. And so my goal was, man, when we got married, we would finish up our school and we would leave school debt-free. We didn't have a lot of debt, but we had a little bit of student loans. And so, man, my, my goal was like, let's do this. Let's get married. Let's live on nothing. Let's eat macaroni and ramen and let's pay off our school debt. And so we leave college debt-free. And, and that was a very probably admirable goal. But the way I went about accomplishing it was not really good. And we, I could tell you story after story, which I won't. I'll just tell you one. There was one, and we were about four or five months married at this point. We were working at a camp. It was, we got married in December. It was the following summer. We were working at a camp. And so at the camp, we had uh, campers, and we were kind of their counselor and, and their supervisor. And so on our day off, we would take three or four of them, and we would go Walmart run or go get ice cream, different stuff like that. Well, at some point that summer, my wife of, you know, five or six months had lost her hairbrush. So not a big deal. Hairbrush is pretty important to life, uh, especially if you're a girl, have longer hair. And so we were pulling up to Walmart for our Walmart run. And she's like, hey, I need to get a new hairbrush. I'm like, I'm not buying a new hairbrush. You're the one that lost it. We're not buying a new hairbrush. Yeah, it's just I, I, like I want to punch myself right now when I, say, when I hear myself say this. But I, I was like, no, we're not buying a, a brush. Like, have you not seen like the Little Mermaid? Just get a fork. You can use a fork. Uh, we're not buying a hairbrush. And, and so one of her campers uh, was like 16 years old, felt sorry for my wife, and bought her a hairbrush at Walmart that day because her awesome husband of six months was a money Nazi and wouldn't allow her to spend six, seven, whatever bucks to buy a hairbrush. And so you, you can kind of understand, maybe you, I hopefully you've never been like a money person like I was at the beginning, but probably every single one of us, whether you're a lot more gracious than I was, or maybe you're a tightwad like I was, all of us have felt some like form of tension in our relationships because of money. Which makes sense. I mean, you, you have two people with different expectations. You have, they have totally different upbringings, probably have different spending habits, and they come into a relationship with the desire for that relationship to be good, for that marriage to go well, for things to be healthy. And that's a great goal. Like, who wants to have a train wreck of a marriage or a train wreck of a dating relationship because of worry and tension around money. No one does. In fact, we've been asking ourselves the question over the last few weeks. We've been asking the simple question, how do I have a healthy relationship? Like whether I'm dating, whether I'm looking to date, whether I'm married, divorced, no matter where I find myself as it relates to a relationship, how do I have a healthy one? And for most of us, how we would answer that and what we've kind of talked about the last few weeks is most of the time we'll answer that with a, a what. Like, hey, if, if we maybe go on more vacations, if we spend more time together, if we have better date nights, if we do this and do this, and we kind of fill the gap with a lot of things, if we'll do these things, we'll probably have a good relationship. 
But the thing is, every single one of us know people that have great vacations. They go on consistent, you know, date nights. They do all these different things. And yet, it doesn't guarantee a healthy relationship. There's a lot of people that started out doing all those things. And they're in divorce court within a few years. And so what we've been doing of things doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a healthy relationship. And so what we've been doing over the past few weeks, if you're watching online, you've been with us. We, we've been saying maybe it has little, a lot, a lot less to do with the what and a lot more to do with the who. And, and here's what we've been saying over the last few weeks. The health of my relationships is determined by who is at the center of them. Let me say that again. The health of my relationships is determined by who is at the center of them. And there's three people that can be at the center. And we've talked a little bit about this. We can, we can put ourselves at the center. And we've done that, haven't we? We've all done that. If we're honest, we've all put ourselves at the center of our relationships, whether it was dating or marriage. We've all done that. Even just with our friends, we'll, we'll many times put ourselves in the center. And, and when we do, our relationship and really who we are is kind of characterized by selfishness. Or we can put other people at the center. And, and maybe you've experienced this, and that's kind of the, I just want to please people, and I just want to keep everybody happy, and so I'm just going to kind of do, do whatever they want, and really we're characterized more by fear. Or... We looked at this. We could put Jesus at the center of our relationships. We could make Jesus the center of all the different areas of our relationships, and we could experience freedom. And so last week, we asked ourselves this question. We said, who is at the center of the communication in our relationships? We tried to get real practical. Like, like, who's at the center of our relationships? But now specifically, when we think about communication in our marriage, in our dating relationships, who's at the center of how we communicate? And if you're in a city group, I know my group, man, we've had some, this week we had some really good discussions around this topic as we followed up the message last week. And so this week, what we want to do is we want to stay real practical and we want to ask an even more uncomfortable question, okay? So you guys ready for an even more uncomfortable question than who's at the center of our communication? Well, here's the question. Who's at the center of how you use money in your relationships? You're like, dang it, one day I come to church and they're talking about money. I know all those guys, they do, that's what they talk about. No, no, we, we all know this. All of us know this. Whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you grew up in church watching online or you're here this morning, every single one of us know that the way we think about and use money has huge impact on our relationships. It has huge impact on our marriage. It has huge impact on our dating relationships. It has huge impact on just any relationship. How we view and use money has huge implications on our relationships. And Jesus, he talked about finances a lot. And in fact, he, he talked about finances a lot because the religious crowd of his day had jacked up the teaching around money. Back when Jesus was alive, he, he had to talk about finances a lot because the religious leaders of the day were teaching some crazy stuff about money. 
And what they were teaching is basically, hey, if you are rich, if you've got a lot of things, then God's happy with you. So man, if you, you've got a lot of things going for you, then you must be doing a lot of things that please God. And so what they would try to do is they would try to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate just so that they would look good in front of other people. And they would look like, hey, God is blessing me. And so if you weren't doing as good, and if you hadn't had as good of a year with your stocks, or you, you're, you, know, you had lost your job and things weren't going as good, then you were looked down on like, whoa, what'd you do wrong? Why, you got God mad at you? Why? And so that's, I mean, it was a totally messed up way to view money. And the, the sad thing was the church of the day was the one teaching that mindset and that philosophy. And so Jesus, his, his kingdom obviously was a totally different way of thinking than the religious system of the day. And one of the biggest contrasts in Jesus' kingdom compared to the kingdom that these religious leaders were talking about was how money was viewed. And in one of the most famous sermons, even if you're not a follower of Jesus or if you uh, maybe you grew up in church and walked away for a little while, you've heard about this sermon that we're going to talk about today. It, even if you're in other religions, you've heard about it. It's one of the most popular and well-known sermons really in the history of the world. And it's simply known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about what money and, and how, how money should, we should look at it and how it should affect our lives in his kingdom. He says this in Matthew 6. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew 6 or your phone. It'll be up on the screen. He says this. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But basically, Jesus, he's, he's not forbidding anybody from accumulating wealth. He's just saying, don't treasure it. Don't make it like the most important thing in your life. Because honestly, and, and he's just real practical in that day, moth would eat valuable uh, like things that they would make. The, the moth would eat it and they would go away or rust would uh, rust some of their coins. And so he's saying, man, don't, don't treasure wealth because honestly, it could go away quickly. But then he says this. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. And basically Jesus is saying, hey, invest your wealth in a place where it will never be lost. That just makes sense, right? Like, don't, don't treasure and put too much emphasis on wealth here on earth because honestly, man, 2008 could happen and, and the mortgage crisis and your money could go away pretty quick. But, but. But put your money and treasures in things that will last and that won't go away. And then he says this. And this is such an insightful, just few words. He says this in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart. There your heart will be also. Basically what Jesus is saying is there's, there's no better picture into someone's heart than how they spend their time and money. Like if you're in a dating relationship and you really want to know what's important to the other person, look at how they spend their time and where they put their money. And they can say what's important to them with their mouth. They can post on social media what's important to them. But look at their schedule and their bank account and you will have a very clear picture 
of what's really important. Because our heart and our money, they follow each other. It's just, it just is what it is. And Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? In, in Jewish writings, a, a good eye represented a generous attitude. And, and a bad eye represented a wrong perspective of wealth. And so here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, when you put yourself at the center of how you see and use resources and money, when you're at the center, your perspective is darkened and you just don't see life clearly. And we could, we could go around the room and we could talk about sometimes in our life where, where we have seen wealth or money in a wrong way and how it has affected how we've seen a lot of other things in our life. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you have the wrong perspective of money and resources, it's not just going to affect one area of your life. It's going it's to darken and cloud your perspective on a lot of things. It's why, I mean, we, you, you, hopefully you haven't experienced this, but after somebody dies and, and money is, you know, money and assets are kind of broken up between the family, you, you go from... Uh, many times, like loving family, the nicest people to man, people get crazy. You're like, what happened to Uncle Jim, man? He used to be so nice until grandma died and now money's starting to, like people change when they have a wrong view of, of money. And, and you've probably experienced that. Maybe you'd say, hey, that's happened to me, Chris. I've gotten too tied in and got too greedy about something. And man, I just kind of woke up one day and thought, what have I been thinking and that's what Jesus is saying. And Jesus goes on, he says this, no one can serve two masters. Like, duh. And, and, and when he talks about masters, he's talking about like slaves and masters. He's talking about like, you, you can't have two people that is your master. Since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is he's saying, man, you can either serve God, like God, you can treasure God, or you can treasure resources, you can treasure money. You, you can't split time. It's not like, okay, well, Sunday through Tuesday, God, you're my treasure, and then I'm going to take the wind, I'm definitely taking the Friday nights off, or this, or, you, you can't do that. He's saying, you got to choose. You can't have you're kind of like a foot in each one because these are two masters with totally opposite goals. And so Jesus, as he's talking, and again, this is a sermon. This is in the middle of this sermon. He's talking to these people. He's talked to them about a lot of subjects and they're leaning in because he's talking about a different way to live, a different way in his kingdom. He's talked about mercy. He's talked about all these things that are different in his kingdom. And now he's talking about money and resources. And he's saying, you can't have two bosses. You, you got to choose one. He calls his followers to choose God or money. And which leads to faith or worry. God or money which leads to faith or trust or worry. 
And let's all be honest. Even if you're the person in this room that has, made, that has the largest net worth of anyone, there's probably been a time in your life where you have had the wrong perspective of money and it's caused tension and worry in your life. We all have. If you're watching online, you, you've probably experienced that. But, but here's what Jesus, here's what he does in these next few verses. Jesus, he, he lays out the choice and then he speaks to us as if we chose what to him was the obvious choice. So, so he's talked about how, how, you know, hey, invest your treasures in things that'll last. And man, if you have a wrong perspective of money, it's going to cloud up your whole life and mess up all of your thinking. And, and you can't have two masters, so choose. And, and he assumes, like, there's an obvious choice. So he, he assumes that, yeah, why would we choose the money and it's wasted in the wrong perspective and the slave? Of, so he, he assumes we're going to choose God and faith. And then he talks to us as if we chose that. Listen to what he says. In verse 25, he says, Therefore, or as a result of, as a result of you making the right choice, he says this, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Basically, Jesus is saying, since you've, you've chosen faith and since you've chosen kind of to do it my way, don't worry. Why? And it's almost in his mind, like, why would you worry? Why, why would you worry about things that just don't matter, that aren't a big deal, that, man, are so small? And then what he does is he gives us a few illustrations to just kind of press that point a little bit more he says he says consider the birds of the sky and for us it's a little different because we're sitting in a building but they were probably literally sitting on the side of a mountain so I mean he may have literally said like look at the birds he, he may have like right there they, he didn't need like screens he just showed them like what was around him hey look at the birds consider the birds of the sky they don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He's saying, see, see that, you know, the birds up there? They're not flying around like losing sleep, wondering like when I land, is there going to be a worm available? Like what if there's no worms left? We're gonna, what are we going to do? No, they're just flying around, doing life, doing what birds do. They are not sweating it at all. They, they know that, man, when they land, they're going to find what they need, and God's going to take care of them. Think about the birds. And then he asks two, like, obvious questions. He says, aren't you worth more than they? He's like, think, look at those birds, and they don't worry. And you guys are my favorites, so why would you worry? If I'm taking care of the birds and you're like my favorites, why would you worry? He says this, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Don't, don't we try to do that? I mean, when you, when you sit back after a little bit, if you're, whether you're watching online or you're here, and we kind of try to worry ourselves into solutions. I do this. Like, if I worry enough, it'll fix itself. If I worry enough... I'll go back to my bank account and there will be more money in it. If I just, yeah, I'm not worrying. Lori, could you worry with me? Let's worry some more. If we could do that, it might change. And Jesus is like, is, 
y'all do understand that, like, worry, guys, you're sitting out here, you know that if you worry, it's not going to help you. And they were probably like, yes, Jesus, we, we got it. Birds are that, yes, we get it, we get it. And there's probably some wives on the, on the mountainside, like, throwing an elbow into their husbands, like, you hearing, you hearing what Jesus is saying? And, and then he goes on, and, and he says this, he uses another illustration. He says, why do you worry about clothes? Observe the, how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And again, he's on a, a hillside, so he might be able to say like, Hey guys, see that whole field right there of beautiful flowers. See how beautiful those colors are? You know what those flowers aren't doing? They're not worrying. They're, they're, they're not struggling to look beautiful. No, 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 no. I've clothed them. I've made them beautiful. They, they're just there. I've, I've, I've done that. I've clothed them with beauty. And then he says this, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. And he's basically saying, if I do that, and in a few months, those are going to be gone forever. Do you think I'm not going to take care of my kids? I'm going to take care of my kids. Just, just believe me, I'm going to take care of you. And then in verse 31, he says, so don't worry. Saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles were basically people outside the faith, because he was talking to Jews. Eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He's basically saying, I got you guys. I, got, I know what... Do you, I mean, think about this. This is kind of crazy to think about. Jesus knows what we need even before we know what we need. And he's saying, you know what? Look at the birds. Look at the field, the beautiful flowers. Look at the, just look at nature, how I take care of it. And, and I've got you. If you'll believe me, I'm going to take care of you. There's, you're wasting your energy worrying. You can't change anything. Just, just trust me. Do it my way. I'll take care of it. And then he says this in verse 33, which is probably a, a verse that you've heard before. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably have heard this verse. Because Jesus, he, he's just told us like 400 times, don't worry, don't worry. Why are you worrying? There's no reason to worry. But then what he does is he tells us what to do. Since you're not going to worry, I want you to fill your time with this. He says this, verse 33, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, I, in contrast to seeking first your, your kingdom and, and seeking first all the things that you think you need, because if not, you're going to worry, I'll take care of all that. And you seek first Put your energy into what's important to God and his kingdom. And if you'll do that, here's what Jesus says. He says, all these things will be provided for you. Like, Jesus, do you really mean all these? Like, I'm going to be okay? He's saying, you, you put your focus, because you're not going to focus on worrying. Because, again, he's assuming that we're like going to do what he says because it's the best way. 
He says, instead of worrying, I, I just want you to seek first what's important to my kingdom. Seek first my kingdom and, and what's right in my kingdom. And if you'll put your energy and, and all that into that, all the rest of it will take care of itself. Like, you, you won't need to worry about it. And then he says this, in case we hadn't heard it, the first 400 times he said it, he says, therefore, don't worry. Again, when he says, therefore, he's saying, because of what I just said, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Basically, you can't fix tomorrow. It's going to come and it's going to happen. So don't sweat it. You focus on seeking first my kingdom. Seek first what's important to me. Well, what's important to you? Jesus, should, he would say, look at my life. Look at where I spend my time. Look at what I do with my resources. Watch me. You put your energy and time into what's important to God's kingdom and the rest of it will take care of itself. Jesus calls his followers to put them, to put him at the center of how they view and use their resources. Which brings us back to that uncomfortable question that we started with. As you consider your life, whether you're single, and maybe you're, you're, you're looking to start dating, or maybe you are dating someone, it's getting serious, you're about to get engaged, maybe you are engaged... Maybe you're married. Maybe you're, man, maybe you had a rough first marriage and you have a, you're on a second marriage and it's going great. Maybe you don't, aren't married at all. No matter where you are, the question that I think we need to think about more today is, man, who's at the center of how you use money in your relationships? In that dating relationship, who's at the center of how money is viewed and used? In that marriage, who's at the center? See, there's a couple options. There's obviously, we can put ourselves at the center, which, let's be honest, every single one of us, and if you're watching online, you should have your hand up too, every single one of us do this, probably more than we want to admit it. Every single one of us put ourselves at the center of our resources, of our time, of our finances. We all do that some. Even when we know it's not the best thing. And if, you, if this is kind of the way you live, then you probably spend the majority of your resources on things that don't last. And, and there, there's, there's probably some temporary fun. and some, It's not necessarily bad stuff, but it's, we're probably not putting a lot of resources towards things that are going to impact and influence the bigger picture. If you put yourself at the center, and if that's like a habit, that that's just the way you do life, if you're always at the center of your resources, then you probably do worry. That's probably fairly normal for you. You might even feel guilt about, oh, you, you might have this, like, this, this kind of dialogue with yourself. Oh, I shouldn't have spent that. I should, oh, I feel bad for doing it. I shouldn't have. Oh, I got to stop doing that with my money. And you, you might have that dialogue with yourself on a regular basis. And, and if you put yourself at the center, then there, you probably never have a time in your life where you can just sit down quietly and peacefully and say, I have enough. There's probably always, ah, I got to get a little more, got to get a little more. Once I get a little more, once I make a little more, we'll be okay. Once, I, once we get to this spot, it'll kind of slow down and things will get peaceful. 
If we put ourselves at the center, which we've all done at times, that's where we'll find ourselves. If we put Jesus at the center, then, then basically what we're doing is we're, we understand that everything that we have is His, and it's from Him. We understand that we are stewards and not owners. And so what we do is we invest in His kingdom, we manage things well, and then we enjoy what we have without worry or guilt. So we, we enjoy, sometimes you th- people think, and again, probably some wrong teaching Someday, where, man, if you are enjoying what God's given you, you should feel guilty about it. And, and that's not the way it should be. Like, if, if we're putting his kingdom first and we're managing our resources well, then, man, we should go to the best steakhouse, have the nicest dinner, go on the vacation. Enjoy. It's a gift from God. So there, there's nothing wrong with having wealth and enjoying wealth. It's just a, a problem when that is what we treasure and Jesus isn't at the center of it. See, no matter where you are watching online or you're here, no matter where you stand as it relates to a relationship with Jesus or where you are as it relates to a relationship with somebody else, the answer to that question of who's at the center of how we use our resources, our money, it's a pretty big question. It's a pretty big question that has incredibly large and just big ramifications. And, and, and I'm not, I, I, you guys, we all know this. Like, marriages end every single day, every single year because of the stress that was caused by a money issue relationships are unhealthy and feel tension and there's worry and there's people going to bed every night tense and worried and it all points back to resources and how we use money and so man we get that we understand that man who's at the center of how we see and use resources has huge ramifications because we just look around us and we can see that but, but Jesus, what he's saying in this, as he's talking about his kingdom, is he's saying, hey, I've got a better plan. I've got a great plan. And, and he, he lays out his plan. He's saying, man, if you will trust that my way is best, things can be different. You can enjoy what you've been given. You can go to bed without worry and guilt. It can be different. Let me, let me kind of close things out today by, by talking about three steps that I would encourage you to consider that I think will help each of us view and use our resources in a God-honoring way. Let me just give you three real quick. The, the first one is, is pretty simple. First one is this, and it's like this is 101 stuff. Clarify and communicate a budget. Clarify and communicate a budget. And here's, here's what we all know. We've, if you've lived life at all, you know this. You have to tell your money where to go, and if you don't, it will go places you don't want it to go. Like, you'll look up at the end of the month and think, where did every, all the money go? And you'll pull out the bank statement and realize, oh, oh, there and there and there and there. Oh, okay. If we don't tell our money where to go, and we don't, we don't sit down, whether it's a piece of paper, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet, Lori and I, we, we use a computer program called Every Dollar, whether it's something like that, no matter how complicated or simple it is, 
Man, we, we need to sit down, and especially if we're married or if we're looking to be married, we're in a serious relationship, we need to sit down and agree upon a budget and live by it as best we can. When, when, and then the agreed apart part portion of that is really, really important. Like you, you might be like, oh, the budget is laid out well, and your wife might be like, no. Not, I need a little more for that, or no, you ain't spending as much for that. So it's got to be agreed upon. Like when we, when we first got married, again, I, this is me being an idiot, but our very first grocery store trip, it should be a, a magical thing. Like after you get married, that first time you go to the grocery store together. It wasn't magical. I think it ended in our first fight, and I think there were tears involved in it. Uh, basically what was happening, you know, Lori, she's first, first time we're, you know, married. So she has visions of like, okay, man, I want kind of my kitchen set up like this. I want to do things this way. Got, got some recipes I want to try. I want to do all that. And so she's going through and, you know, putting stuff in the cart. I'm just walking behind her, taking stuff out of the cart. Nope. Not, I mean, you're like, what? Did you even know Jesus back then? I was terrible. And, and it was one of those things, like, I had a budget in my mind, and she had a budget in her mind, but it wasn't an agreed-upon budget, and so it caused tension. And so, man, one of those practical things that we can do is clarify and communicate a budget, and it doesn't have to be complicated. The second thing that I think is really important is this. We need to give God our first and best. Give God our first and best. And, and here's, here's where... People that in my role over the years, and I apologize if this has happened to you, you're watching online, people have jacked this up. And you might have walked away from the church because of manipulation or just somebody doing some bad teaching on money. When we give to God's kingdom, we don't give to God's kingdom to earn favor with God. We don't give to God's kingdom like I got to kind of pay for my seat at church. I come to church, so I need to put something in, kind of pay for my seat. I remember I went, we went to church with my grandma once, and she was kind of a newer Christian. And I, we were, I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s, so she had all her gr- kind of grandsons with her. And she was so excited to go to her little church in, in Brownsburg, Indiana, and take all her grandsons. And, and so, man, it was a little, little Baptist church out in kind of the sticks of Indiana. And so we were sitting in church just so happy to be at church with our grandma. And they were time to pass the offering basket. And so uh, we were, you know, just, all right, we want to support grandma's church. And so, you know, not like we had hundreds of dollars, but we were probably going to put something in. And my grandma turns around. Guys, you guys, I got you guys. I got you. I'll pay for you guys. You're good. I'm like, Grandma, it doesn't really work like that. It's not, I'm, you don't have to pay for my seat at church. But she's like, you, you guys keep your money. I'm going to take care of you. And, and she, again, she was young. And it just, it was cute to me that she thought, like, she was going to pay for our seat. And she didn't want her grandkids to pay for their seat at church. And it's like, Grandma, it's not really like that. But I'm happy that you are going to church. But here's the bottom line. When we, when we give to God's kingdom, here's what we're doing. We're saying, God... I'm giving to you not out of, oh, I feel like if I don't do this, God's not going to be happy with me. And, and almost like we're like somebody's twisting our arm. No, 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 no. The scriptures say when we give, we should do it with a cheerful heart. We should do it from a place of you have done so much for me. 
I want to take my first and best, and I just want to give it back to you. It's yours anyway. I just want to give it back to you. I want to invest it in what you're doing. And that's what it is. It's, it's not a, it should never be manipulation. It should never be guilt. It should be a, a, someone's personal relationship with Jesus saying, hey, I trust you. You're at the center of my finances. And part of what I do because of that is I give you back money towards your kingdom. I give to your kingdom. For Lori and I, it was, I'm so thankful that from the beginning of our relationship, people taught us. We had some great mentors in our life, and they just taught us from the very beginning. And our, for us, we, we just started by giving 10%, and our 10% when we first started was not a lot. But they just said, hey, just trust God, and just, but, but we don't have all, you know, we, we don't make that much. Just, no, 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 just trust God and give to what's important to God, and let's see if God takes care of you. And he did. He always has. And so I'm so thankful that that principle was taught. And so I would encourage you, Man, give God your first and best. Give God, it's, that's what, I, what we try to do. It's what I, I teach my, my own kids. I, give God your first and best. And here's what's really cool. If you're part of this church, did you know that there have been people that have been giving every single month to City Walk Church since before it started that will never set foot in City Walk Church? There's families around the country that literally give every single month to invest in what God's doing right here. It's just special to be a part of what God's doing. And so give God your first and best. Here's the last thing. And this is really, really important. The last thing is this. Don't forget you're in a marathon. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we get caught up in wanting to buy the house, the car, the vacation that took someone else 30 years of faithfulness and wise decisions to get. Like, like we look at somebody else and we think, man, I want that car. Wow, they're going on a nice vacation. But, but what we forget is that they have been faithful and wise with their finances for 20, 30 years. And so, yes, they're in a position to do a lot more than we are. But what we have to remember, man, especially if you're young and new in a relationship, man, this is a marathon, not a sprint. It's faithfulness over the long haul in every area of our life, including our finances. And, and sometimes we even look at our, how we give, even to God's kingdom. We think, man, I, I mean, does God even want this little bit? We don't even have enough. To, I mean, we, we barely can give anything. Is this... A, other people can do a lot more, and God's saying, this is a marathon. Just be faithful over the long haul with what you have. That's it. Be faithful over the long haul. Remember, you're in a marathon, and your small, faithful decisions today will show fruit several miles down the road. Your small, faithful, putting a little budget together as a 21-year-old married couple where you don't even have that much money to budget, but you say, hey, we're going to do it the right way from the beginning. We're going to make wise decisions. You do that over 10, 20, 30 years. And you watch the fruit that comes because of just being faithful over the marathon. And we have, we have people in this room that can testify to that. Like, hey, man, for 30, 40 years, we've just tried to be wise and faithful. And God's been good to us. Don't be the guy that won't buy his wife a hairbrush. Don't be the couple that goes to bed tense because of money disagreements. 
Don't, don't be the couple that is drowning in debt just to get stuff to impress neighbors that they don't even care about. Don't be that couple. Don't be that person. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he promises he'll take care of the rest. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word is so practical. And Lord, your word touches on every area of our life. You're concerned about how we handle money. You're concerned about how we treat each other. You're concerned about how we communicate in our relationships. Lord, you, you want us to have healthy relationships. You want us to live lives that are free from worry and, and all the stress that comes with that worry. And you've provided a better way. And Lord, I pray whether we're watching online or we're here this morning, whether we're been married for a long time, whether we're just thinking about starting to date somebody, Lord, I pray that we would be people that put you at the center of our life, that put you at the center of how we communicate, that put you at the center of how we use our resources. I pray that we would make you central. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning, if you're here and, and you've had some stress in your life, maybe, maybe you're like, man, I'm in the middle of it now. You've had some stress in your life because of money. Because maybe as I've been talking, you've, you've thought, you know what, I've, I think I've made myself pretty central to this whole thing. And I haven't kept God central. It's been tough. I've, I've not trusted God. And so it's, it's just, I've been kind of holding on myself. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if that's you, would you just take this opportunity to just talk to God? He, he already knows. He already knows that you're stressed out. He already knows that you're worried. He already knows why. But just tell him. Man, God, I, I haven't kept you at the center of my resources. I haven't trusted you. Maybe it's because you've been hurt by somebody in the past that's taught you wrong things about money or somebody took advantage of you. It's something way out of your control. But you have an opportunity just between you and God to just say, God, from this day forward, I want to live a life with you at the center. And today, as we're talking about our finances, I want to start there. I want, want you to be central, Lord. I, I want you to be in control. And based on what Jesus said in Matthew 6, I, I believe if, if, if we do that, we can live lives free of worry. We, we can live lives enjoying without guilt the good gifts that God gives us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us individually, that you would show us what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.